Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. So thank you for joining the Disruptive Entrepreneur channel. I am very privileged to have uh, Jim Mellon on the show. Now, if you're watching live, you're going to have to go and listen to the podcast for his full bio. Um, I do a lot of podcast interviews, and I don't like reading my own bio. It seems somewhat self um, congratulating. So I'm not going to ask Jim to read his own bio, but you should look Jim up because he's done a lot of amazing things. And Jim, I just want to say thank you very much for being here today from Dubai. I'm, I'm very happy to be here, Rob, and thank you for inviting me. Right. So let's get into it then. Um, you've been in business a long time. So how has business changed, A, since you started, and B, since COVID disrupted? Those are two great questions. So since I started, the biggest change has been the internet. And I remember when I was a young lad working in San Francisco, the first iterations of the internet were emerging and it was basically connecting uh, word processors together. And then in the late 1990s, as you well know, uh, the internet, which was ages after I started work, by the way, the internet really started to go mainstream. And some people, not me, but some people saw the power of its potential. And, you know, they're amongst the richest people in the world today. Um, But the internet has allowed, uh, I mean, obviously, it's not just a power for good, it's a power for evil as well, as we well know. But what it's really done in my area is to allow the flow of information to be so much faster. And the effect of that on entrepreneurship um, is that um, companies rise and fall much faster because it's so much easier to start them and then for competitors to come along and disrupt them, which is, the, I know, your, uh, your big shtick. And then, <laughs> uh, and then of course, uh, you've got also the power of collaboration. So in my biotech side, which is my main thrust at the moment, um, the all the scientists in the world can collaborate very quickly around the world. And I always say, and if you don't mind me just banging on slightly on this one, that information or knowledge learnt can never be unlearnt. And one of the reasons that Germany or Japan bounced back so quickly after the Second World War in total ruin and destruction was because the knowledge that they had, how to make things, how to develop things and so forth, was still there. Even with the buildings and the infrastructure, weren't there. So they bounced back very quickly because they had that invested knowledge. And that knowledge is now embedded in the internet and is available to anyone who knows how to collaborate on it. And that's the biggest change in my career. As far as um, COVID is concerned, uh, I think that uh, this is going to be an accelerant for the development of novel technologies, drugs, therapies, to protect older cohorts. Because COVID is what they call a gerolavic um, disease. It hates old people. And people over 80 are the majority of the people who are dying around the world. And they're dying because their immune systems are compromised. And uh, and COVID has latched onto that and they get pneumonia and they get breathing difficulties and they die. Um, So in our own efforts, one of the key things is to try and build up immunoresilience in the elderly cohorts. And the process of doing that has been accelerated because we can't afford, we can't, the world cannot afford to go through this one more time. But there are many pockets of vulnerability that still exist and many gaps in government knowledge and government action that I'm hoping that they can address and I can help, maybe we can all help to try and guide them in the right direction. Now, we might address some of those conversations a bit later on. Um, But what we're going to do for this episode, Jim, is I've broken it down into four parts. I'm always trying to do new things on the show. So the the first part will be the more detailed answers. 
The second part will be slightly more quick fire. We have a cheeky round, the third round, where we've got some cheeky questions, um, which you can decline if you want, or if you hate me for them, they were in the cheeky round. Um, and they're not they're here to catch you out, by the way. They're just a bit of fun. And then the fourth, sure. the fourth section will be the super rapid fire round. Um, but before we get to all of those, um, like if anyone looks you up on the Internet, you have done so many things. You have got one of the biggest CVs that I've seen. So would you class yourself as an investor, an entrepreneur, a businessman? I mean, you, you sort of, obviously you're in tech and bio, biotech. We were talking about your new book, um, which is obviously, um, you know, trying to help move. Yeah, show it. Please show it. So Moose Law um, by Jim Mellon, um, which we definitely need to get everyone to go and order. Is it available now on Amazon, Jim? It is. And all the profits go to charity. Great. So you're an author as well. I think, is that your seventh or sixth book? Very well remembered. It's seven. Right. So you've done so many things. Would you class yourself as an investor, an entrepreneur, a businessman or a n other? It's a very good question. I mean, I think um, if we're talking to other entrepreneurs uh, the who are starting out, my big mistake is I've chopped and changed too many times in my career. And if I stuck to one thing, well, I may have failed, but I probably would have had a bigger business than I have today. I haven't done badly, by the way, but I just like, <laughs> you know, I love the challenge of new. I love the challenge of new companies. So we're always starting new companies. And in our portfolio, we have about 300 companies, some of which have done well, some of which have done in a middling fashion and some of which are absolute disasters and um it's the result of my innate restlessness uh in terms of qualities that i have i think i'm a very competent plagiarist so i i, mm -hmm. I can see really good ideas out there perhaps before people can but i haven't invented them myself um and uh i, I think that in itself is a skill actually being ahead of the curve and but not necessarily being the inventor of anything so um I'm really always trying to think of what I call money fountains, which are things that are going to like, you know, I get back to your title, which I think is a wonderful title of your show, um, which are going to disrupt and conquer new markets. And having been in San Francisco for four years when I was in my early twenties and failed to take advantage. And even though I was directly exposed to this wonderful technological boom that was starting up and, one time I was sitting on an airplane, I was right behind Bill Gates and Steve Jobs sitting together. I mean, what an opportunity anyone in the world would bite their hand off for mm -hmm. now, if Steve Jobs was still around, obviously. Uh, and I just didn't see the great opportunity I was being presented with. But now I'm trying to make up for lost time. So now I look for the great disruptions in this world and try and uh, try and make an impact by creating investment vehicles or investing in companies that are really really going to change our world for the better. So, Jim, I'm glad you've mentioned something in there because I can relate to this. I love to do lots of things. I've written lots of books mm. like myself and have many companies. And my business partner's always like, Rob, let's just be a bit more focused. Let's just do one or two things better than everyone else. But you have generated billions of pounds. Wikipedia has your net worth in the, in the billions and yet you're saying you made mistakes and you did too many things. So is there a certain nature of entrepreneurs that we're never satisfied? Definitely. So if you and I were sitting in a pub in London, which I hope we will be at some stage, uh, we'd probably start a company, all right? I can see that. Now, we probably don't need another company in our <laughs> lives. We probably, whatever <laughs> we're starting the company for, we'll, after the first three or four beers, will be some nonsense, but we'll do it because we just can't help ourselves. Mm. And uh, that's, it's a good and it's a bad thing. And it's the nature of capitalism. It's the nature of creative destruction. Um, and there are some people, I'll give you an example if I might. So when I started out, I was 20 years old and I got sent to Hong Kong by the company I started work for. And the company was really on fire. It was growing really, really quickly. It was a fund management business. And then they sent me to San Francisco. And I teamed up with a guy about two years older than me, but we're extremely good friends. And um, he stayed in fund management. He started his own business. 
it doesn't work a fraction as hard. I mean, I don't think he'd mind me saying this as hard as I do. Uh, he kind of lives off his dividends. He's got $40 billion under management. And I would think, I don't know, but he probably takes in 100 or $200 million of dividends a year from that business. I'm an investor in that, by the way. I get a, a reasonable dividend stream. But I'm just thinking, well, his quality of life in some ways is better than mine. He didn't have to really learn new tricks. He does the same thing. Um, you know, he watches the markets occasionally. But I mean, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, like a really intense thing like you and I do. But I think if I got in, if, if I, I'm sure it's the same for you, Rob. If you and I were stuck in something like that for 35 years, we would probably be miserable because we wake up every morning thinking about the new challenges ahead and the new opportunities. And I, even when I go to bed at night, I'm thinking, my God, this, I hate it when someone else has got latched onto an idea that I've understood to be a good one. Yeah, I agree. And I would just like, to sort of stress to anyone watching who feels the same, there's nothing wrong with you. And, and that restlessness and that desire to do more and it never end, that's, there's nothing wrong with you. I think some people think that there is, should be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or an end destination. But, you know, Warren Buffett still seems to be kicking out, uh, must be pushing 90 now. Clint Eastwood. He is, he is 90. Clint Eastwood just turned 90 and he's still kicking it out skiing with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm just glad we and had supermodels that. probably. And supermodels. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, it's Rob here interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Um, so I believe from my research that you sold maybe a business or your first business at 28 years old for 25 million. So three questions. One, is that true? Two, why did you sell it? And three, why didn't you stop there? Uh, well, great questions. First, uh, I think I was 27. And it was a fund management company that was started by my former boss at GT Management. He was called Richard Thornton. He was a T. And he didn't want to leave London. It was a Hong Kong-based emerging market thing. So I went there and I hired a couple of people from the previous company. And we were extremely hard working. I mean, we we I wouldn't sleep in the office, but you know, it was really, really hard charging. And I only owned 15% of that company. So I didn't get 25 million pounds, but it was sold after four years. But that money, which in, in those days was worth a lot of money, gave me enough to buy a house in London uh, and gave me enough to buy my current house in Ibiza, where I spent a lot of time and where I was just the week before this and where uh, my partner and the dogs, because we love dogs, are there. <laughs> and um, uh, and um, we, and then I, started, I had enough money to start our own company which still goes today, which is a, a both a fund management company and also an investment company based in Hong Kong. Um, but it's no longer my first uh, love. My first love is now biotech, which is completely separate. Um, 
but it was it was a very lucky break. But in some ways, you you know, as you well know, you make your own luck. Um, but it involved a very very big sacrifice. No holidays. No um, no weekends off. Uh, nothing. Re really, literally, nose to the grindstone. And I think I would say my mantra is that there are three things everyone's got to remember. First is curiosity. If you're going to be successful, you have to think. You have to look at everything. You have to have a no closed mind. You know, just yeah, maybe some someone seems annoying and is useless, and uh, but they might have a nugget in there that's very interesting. And the way I got into the Russian market in 1994 was because I read some obscure journal someone that helped sent me about the privatization that was going on there, and that's about reading. So curiosity number one. Uh, the second is application you don't get anywhere if anyone thinks they're going to make all their money by day trading bitcoin or uh tesla or whatever they're either lucky or they're mad and, and they'll probably lose all their money because it's basically las vegas as far as i'm concerned um and uh then the third thing is focus on uh you, you know I, we talk about you and i've been in multiple businesses but we basically probably don't do 100 businesses at once all at once, so we're doing two or three at once. So a focus on really getting them right to begin with is very important. And the last, mm. this is not the what in the three points, but the last thing is I, I always prefer to work in a team. I've worked with my colleagues for years and years and years. I much prefer to work with people who are collaborative, friends, you know, you go out to a pub or, you know, you just, you, rather than being some sort of uh, megalomania entrepreneur who, doesn't have any colleagues and friends who are there for more than a year, basically. It's not the way that we operate. So now we're going to move into talking about three things which are often hotly debated, Jim, in the business world and on social media. And the first one is addressing what you said when you were younger about working every hour and all weekends. And there's this sort of maybe driven from America and successful entrepreneurship about the no days off. There's even hashtag no days off and the hustle and the grind and, the, you know, the 10 years hard work to become an overnight success. Success, But then there's the movement of wellness and balance. Uh, and actually, you, you know, maybe your mental health can get affected and all the new science around sleep and a lot, of, a lot more sleep being important. So if you were going back and starting again, Jim, maybe advising your younger self, would you go all in again and hustle and work as hard as you did or would you be more balanced? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, there were different times, right? So, uh, the power of communication was much more limited. So you had to spend a lot more time in the office because everything was anchored to an office. Now I, I've been to an office for 10 years, including my own offices. Um, I much prefer working in a coffee shop or anywhere, hotel lobby. I don't like working at home. Uh, and I think that communication thing has changed. If, if I was put into a world, today's world, as a younger person, I think my modus operandi would be different, but my work ethic would be exactly the same. I think you have mm. to, if you really want to be successful, you have to work. You're not going to make it, unless you're just an absolute genius, and there are some people out there, but unfortunately, I'm not one of them. And um, so, but it's a great question. I, I don't really, I, I haven't answered it properly, but I think just, you know, we live in a, uh, everything would change as now, my mental balance. I don't know if I'm uh, mentally balanced. I think so. I never been to see a psychiatrist. Um, I don't feel the need for it, but it could be that I'm just the one big pressure cooking cooker waiting to explode. No. And I haven't got there yet. And I sleep, I go to bed. I mean, we go to bed uh, at seven thirty or eight every night, get up at five in the morning. Mm. I think that's a really good thing to do by the way. Yeah, I'd if you go to bed early, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Love it. Okay, great. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, great. Will you, to do, will, you, will, will you do that, Rob? Oh uh, yeah, I do. The same. Yeah, I get you up. Do. That's it, fantastic. It depends on my routine, but I'll get up anywhere between five and half five every day, every day, even Excellent. weekend. And yeah, like you, go to bed quite early. Um, that just t tends to work for me. Um, but it was nice what you said about I think we should all embrace who we are. There's no right or wrong way to run your life. But if you can work on the go in a coffee shop, in a hotel, traveling, 
you probably can be a bit more balanced because you can travel, see the world and do other things rather than be in the office 12 hours a day. I think that's a really good point. Okay, the next topical thing, and I think it's really relevant to you, Jim, because I understand you went to Oxford University and there's this big debate in the entrepreneur space whether you should go to university or not, you know, because maybe university isn't like for on the street entrepreneurship. Doctor, dentist, lawyer, accountant, surely university seems to be the way. But for, for true disruptive, somewhat crazy entrepreneurs, should we go to university or should we get work experience from an entrepreneur and, and go the self-taught route? Another very good question. Um, I think if you've got a streak of genius in you, like Bill Gates who dropped out of university or Mark Zuckerberg who dropped out of university, go for it. I mean, I think that they were so self-certain about their capabilities in a very specific area that it made sense for them. But most people who go to university at the age of 17 or 18 really don't know what they want to do with their lives, and that included me. And funny enough, I mean, Dubai, as you know, uh, Robin, the other day I was walking around a, um, a shopping center and there was a Clark shoes, Clark shoes. Do you remember them? Yeah. And, um, uh, I, when I left university, I was offered six jobs. It was a good time for the economy. And, uh, one of them was a Clark's shoes. And I could now be a Clark shoe executive in Somerset. So I felt very sorry for Clark shoes, not doing very well. So I went and bought two pairs of shoes in the, in the shop. Uh, I mean, they're basically, dad, you know, granddad shoes because they're like made of rubber soles and comfy, but they're very cheap. Um, but it, I had no idea if Clark shoes was better than the at the time the job I was offered, which was in Hong Kong in fund management, because I didn't know what fund management was. When I got to Hong Kong, I didn't know what a stock was, I didn't know what a bond was, I didn't know what a derivative was. I was working on the Japanese market. They immediately gave me $20 million to manage. I didn't even know what I was doing, um, which says something about the company, to be quite honest. But um, I think if I hadn't had those three years at university, I hadn't been, as an immature fellow, had gone into something, I'd have crashed and burned. But it's, again, what you said earlier, which is quite right. It's up to the individual. But generally speaking, university is a good thing because you don't just learn something. It may not be relevant to your future, but it, you learn to make a lot of friends and you're going to get a great network connection as well. Mm. Great. Thanks, Jim. So the final uh, hotly topic debate in the world of business and entrepreneurship question. There was a bit of a, a, a war on billionaires in the media, might I say, um, maybe about a year ago. Uh, and there was a couple of people that were going all around the, ma the mainstream media saying the world does not need billionaires. Now, I've been fortunate enough to meet and interview probably 15 billionaires, um, and I have had a very positive experience of billionaires, which most people haven't. But what do you say to someone who says the world does not need any billionaires? Well, I think the world doesn't need any unproductive, uh, uncaring, unsharing billionaires. Um, you know, the kind of people I really revile are those who chop the bottle, the tops off bottles of champagne when people are starving around the world. Uh, the worst kind of excess behavior, huge yachts, uh, parties in Tangiers with togas and all that sort of stuff uh, really doesn't appeal to me. And I, I told you earlier that I live a lot of the time in Ibiza. We don't go anywhere near those sort of parties or those sort of people. Um, and we, I would like to use my money for good. Um, I, I, I think I can make more money than the charities at the moment while I'm in my kind of business prime, if you want to call it that. And so it's better if I accumulate more money and then give substantial amounts away. But, you know, the areas I've gone into, which are recently, which are the clean tech and longevity, clean meat and the, um, longevity businesses, I think will make a substantial impact on humanity. So in that sense, I don't think there's anything wrong with accumulating money as long as you've got good intentions with it and you're not just either going to sit on a big pile of it and do nothing with it, like a miser and count it, or you're going to flagrantly abuse it by, I mean, I'm, I'm staying in this ridiculous hotel in Dubai 
I don't know how I ended up here. It's called the Five Palm. Have you ever heard of it? Mm. It's full yeah. of the worst kind of influencers, YouTube. I'm sorry, I know you're on YouTube, but you know, like the kind of the <laughs> dreadful type of YouTubers. I don't know how I ended up here, but to give you an example, we prepaid the hotel room. It's seven thousand pounds, and I refused to throw away seven thousand pounds and move to another hotel. So that's the way I think. I don't think it doesn't matter how much you have, don't waste it. Mm. Thank you, Jim. Sorry, I sound like a a Catholic, or it'll sound like a priest there, but I'm not, I promise you. That's all right. <laughs> this is your show, and I'm loving hearing yeah. from you. It's your <laughs> show, actually. <laughs> yeah, but you're the guest of honour, so oh, um, <laughs> there is no right or wrong answer. That's what I love about these conversations. Okay, so what I'm going to do is change it up, and we're going to go into a quicker fire round mm -hmm. and then come back to some longer questions just to keep the energy flowing. So you can be um, fairly quick with the answers or expand if you choose, but these can be quick answers if you want. So did making more money make you more happy? Uh, I have to say yes. I have to say yes, because that's what I live and breathe every day. Great. Um, have you had, had any mentors in your career or anyone you really admire and why? Yeah, my first boss, Richard Fulton, was a, definitely a mentor. But he was like a, a mother to dogs. You know that mothers, uh, dog mothers, um, when they wean their dogs about the age of eight weeks, they get rid of them. And uh, he was a bit like that. So you, you had your utility and he loved the the young, you know, bag carriers who were like hanging on to his every word. He didn't like challenge at all. And uh, so quickly there was uh, a change in dynamic there when I began to ask questions and become a bit more assertive. Um, and so he was, but he was my first mentor, but I've never had a boss since him ever. And is there anyone alive today that you really admire the work they're doing? And if they could be a mentor to you, they would be. Well, I, th I honestly think despite all the people who say that Bill Gates is trying to infect us with his vaccines and his, you know, his technology. And so I think he's an absolute living saint. I mean, I actually do. I think he's done more good for the world than any single living person. Mm. And uh, he will continue to do so. So I, mm. I totally admire him. And is there an argument to say, well, if he wasn't a multi-billionaire, he wouldn't have been able to have the same impact? Absolutely right. And, you know, he developed something that we all use every day. It's very, there are competitors to it. Um, but... You know, it's it's a great product. It's changed our lives. And why shouldn't he profit off it? And, you know, he's taken those profits and he's I think he's pledged to give 99 percent of his fortune away. And even giving 99 percent of it away, he's probably still be a billionaire. Um, okay. So he'll have plenty left over. But why shouldn't he have a good life? He's worked incredibly hard um, and he's done so much good. I mean, you know, I don't think there's any area of the world that he hasn't impacted in a positive fashion. Mm. Great. He's a genius. You know, there's a big difference between him and me. I'm, I'm a kind of like, I'm lucky, I'm lucky to be where I am, actually. Okay. Is there, is there a typical day or a typical set of daily routines you have, Jim? Yes. Get up early, um, play a word game uh, with Daphina, which is called WordStorm. I recommend it to everyone. It's very challenging. You can get it on the, uh, it's about two pounds as an app for life. And um, then do exercise. So, uh, you know, I go for a shuffle. It's not exactly a run, but a shuffle <laughs> every day. And we, there's a lady called, who's fantastic by called Lucy, Lucy Wyndham something or other, who does uh, Lucy Squad uh, short aerobic exercises. We do that as well. And then it's straight to work. And I go to a coffee shop, not at the moment, because they're all shut. But, uh, you know, if I, if I could, I would. Uh, and I, uh, work till after lunch and then come back home and, and uh, then there's a few calls probably which I don't like very much but if there's no calls then it's just that's it that's it for the day and that's the routine and then we have the four dogs um, and uh, it you know it works for us basically hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't sound very exciting but that's the way it is and then uh, the one thing I do miss is travel uh, my colleagues and I love to get away, you know, for short business trips. And this is a rare business trip. I don't know how I'm going to get back, by the way, but it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this hotel full of ghastly people and um, I have no means of getting back at the moment.
but I, I'm sure I'll find a way. Is there a really good book that you've read recently? Uh, apart from Moose Law, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. No, we're going to bring that in um, in a minute. You absolutely should. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just about finished Greg Lake's autobiography. Do you remember Emerson, Lake and Palmer? Do you know who they are? No. They're prog rockers in the 70s. I mean, actually, right. before my time. But yeah. about 10 years ago, I was in Las Vegas with my brother-in-law, and we saw them, and they were great. And as is the way with rock guys, they two of them died in their 70s. One shot himself, unfortunately. And one died of pancreatic cancer. There's only one left. And it's a very poignant book because it's a full life. You understand the whole way from his humble beginnings through his musical training, through his concert life, to, you know, his family life, which was cut short um, because, I suppose, of the previous uh, lifestyle. And I think that's a, to me, that's a, anyway, I really like reading those sort of books. I love reading about full lives. There's also a BBC podcast called last word every week is the the obituaries of people who famous people who've died that that um that week and i really enjoy listening to some of them are obscure you know you wouldn't have heard them before but they mm. are really to me that's really interesting i look forward to them every week i like listening to other or reading about other people's uh projects and lives and accomplishments and um so uh, and the next thing i'm going to watch is the bg's documentary that's just come out because as you probably know my main home is in the isle of man and they were born in the isle of man uh they moved to australia and there were four of them and there's only three left and, and the guy who's left barry gibb is in his early 70s i mean they just they're tragically short the lives of a lot of rock singers mm. or pop singers really short mm. whereas i think you and i will live to 110 or 120 without a problem with your um, investments, hopefully we will. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, I really think we're on the cusp of something amazing. The science of longevity is catching up with the aspiration of almost everyone on the planet to live a, the healthier, in other words, you know, not being really sick, uh, life towards the end of it, and a longer life. And, you know, my dad this week will be 92 years old. So wow. shout out to him. Uh, and he's in great form. He's... Yeah doing lots of stuff. He's still bought, he's the oldest public company director in the UK. Wow, that's great. Yeah. If you lost everything and had to start again today, what business would you start? You have to pick one of your businesses <laughs> or a new oh, business. I have, am I allowed to start a, a business or do I have to do a hot dog stand or a- you No, you can, you can start whatever you want. You've not got anything, but you've got your knowledge. That's a very good question. I. Actually, I think that I would, we are really, really keen, that's my colleagues and I, on the clean meat agricultural revolution. We'd do something in that area. Mm. Uh, and uh, because that's just getting started, the, you know, the, the, it's, 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 not, it's on the taxiway, it's not even on the runway yet, but it's going to be huge. Yeah. Okay. We are all going to be eating lab-grown meats, yeah. plant-based foods uh, in 10 years' time. And that is a massive market. It's you know it's trillions of dollars of potential, mm. uh, and it's going to absolutely revolutionise everything we know about food for the better. Yeah, and is that what Moose Law, your new book's about? It's all about that. It's mm. an investor's guide to that. Um, you know, twenty percent of all emissions on the planet come from intensively farmed animals. They live in very terrible conditions. All the pandemics have come out of. Uh, malpractice in farming, particularly in the Far East, as we know. Uh, we need to change the food supply. Um, the Brazilian Amazon rainforest has been cut down to grow soybeans, which go into cows. Uh, the cows can now be grown in labs without any cows being hurt in the process. The same for chickens, pigs, materials like cotton or leather. I mean, it, it, it is a mind-boggling opportunity and this is not science fiction the stuff is here and now great what's your biggest win jim and your most epic fail uh i haven't had an epic fail in the sense that something's gone spectacularly wrong uh but it's been a cut by a thousand knives basically and quite a <laughs> few things um my biggest win is something either between Uramin, which is it's not a, a disease of the of the urinary tract. It's a 
a uranium mining company. And I started it with a friend of mine in 2005 with $100,000 and we sold it in 2007, two years later for 2.6 billion US dollars in cash. Now wow. we didn't get all of that money obviously because a lot of new investors came in along the way. And the other uh, big win was I went with my father to Germany in 2006 and I put a lot of my money and borrowed a lot more money to buy German real estate. And last year we sold the Berlin part of it, we kept the rest of it. And it was an incredibly good investment, really, really good investment. And it's actually because we've got the rest of it with no debt. It's it's my long-term uh, pension fund, if you want to call it that. So I don't believe in debt. I'm not a big, I don't like borrowing money. And um, so I, you know, things, the, the way that we would lose all our money is because of a revolution where communists or socialists or, you know, new governments or people just took all our money away from us. We, you and I would not lose our money because we were doing ill-advised stuff. We're not, I don't think you're a gambler and I'm not a gambler. We, we want to hold on to at least some of what we already have. And uh, so uh, I think social revolution is the way that we would lose our money. Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Okay. To be right. optimistic. Absolutely. Honestly, Rob, be optimistic. We'll still be yeah. able to buy the pints down in the pub. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> then we can go to the pub, yeah. We will soon. Well, it's not far off. Yeah. Right. Are you ready for the cheeky round, Jim? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm expecting it. I'm sort of <laughs> ready for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I understand you have a lot of homes around the world. How many do you have and what's your favourite place to live? Uh, we've got 12 places wow. to live in. Uh, and uh, the favourites are the Isle of Man, uh, which is a very special house, actually. Uh, it used to be a cafe, um, a big cafe and has a lovely view of the Irish Sea and then Ibiza in Spain, which I've had now since I was that young boy, a relatively young boy, and I got the money to buy it. Okay. So Dafina's there at the moment. Yeah. Great. What, I know you said that you're not particularly extravagant, but I bet you we can dig out something. What's the most extravagant thing you've ever bought or spent money on, or the biggest single purchase, a bit outrageous? Uh, I own uh, I own a plane, um, and um, I've got a pilot's license. Um, I can't actually fly the plane that I've got because it's too complex and too fast. But I've got the general idea. So if the pilot has a heart attack, I can probably get the plane down. Um, and I've had a plane now for nearly twenty years, so that's the most expensive thing. And the planes cost, you know, they cost a lot of money, and we buy them new, so they're not, um, you know, like ancient old Learjets or something like that. They're brand new. So um, my business partner and I learned to fly when we made enough money in business and we both fly um, uh, Robinson R44s. Um, I'm a bit rusty, um, so I could I could fly. Don't up. do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but my business partner absolutely loves all things aviation. So could you say the model of the plane? Because it just loves it. Just. Yeah. Yeah, sure. The, the current plane and actually we're buying a new one. Um, but the current plane is a Phenom. Uh, it's an Embraer Phenom 300. And the new one is the extended range version of it, which has got stuff like internet and uh, and they're not very big. They're eight seater planes. So there's six passengers plus one sitting with the pilot. It has a nice uh, bar galley on it. And, uh, and it's ideal for traveling around Europe, which is what I use it for. So coming here, for instance, what's the point of going on a little plane all the way to Dubai, spending vast amounts of money, um, when you can go in luxury on, which I, my favorite airline, which is Emirates Airlines. So on long haul, I go on the, on the big planes and then on the short hops, particularly from the Isle of Man to Ibiza or Ibiza to uh, Brussels or to Berlin or somewhere like that, it's the plane. And uh, it's very, very convenient. It's an, an incredible luxury. And I, I have to say, if I was 21 years old or 20 years old again, I would never, ever believe that I could have my own private plane. Mm. Great. Um, yeah. Have you ever been propositioned for your wealth and riches? Oh, good question. Um, I'm propositioned all the time, Rob. I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, 
you you can never really tell, right? So you don't know what what makes you uh, a person that someone else is interested in. That's a, um, a good point. Yeah, and uh, but I'm hoping that, and I know I know that uh, Dafina's not interested in me in the. Uh, I mean, I you know I, I I'd be a different person if I had no money. I'm sure it's the same with you, and then we'd have <laughs> we'd have a different different problem basically. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think that there's any. I, I, I really can see money grabbers coming up uh, a mile away and uh, of no interest whatsoever. Mm. Great. So we're going to move into the rapid fire now. The cheeky uh, questions weren't that bad, actually. They're okay. No, 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 we, we, <laughs> okay, go on then. You've, you've, um, Wikipedia, their net worth is often out. Um, what's your net worth? That's a cheeky one. Well, actually, I, I honestly don't know. And uh, because so many of our businesses are private and it's very difficult to value them. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot, but you know, who cares? All right. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to go one day. It's, um, mm. but I like more. <laughs> and the only way you get more is by working harder and having great ideas. I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. Do you think it's easy to say who cares when you've made, hundreds of millions or billions would you I care when you mean it like that and I, I came across the wrong way what i meant is i don't care yeah 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 right uh, yeah all right i'll work on my cheeky round then i'm actually not that brave no, I don't no, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic i thought you were going to ask me some like you know oh i'll tell you something i got the um in dubai because i'm a resident here i got a i got the vaccine today oh oh wow yeah, you but it's the fun? Chinese one, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll be alive tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Uh, they, I went to the government center, and um, they uh, it's distributed free to anyone really, and um, they vaccinated I think nearly twenty five percent of their population so far. So they're really ahead of the curve of everywhere except for Israel, which is the the best in the world. Mm. Okay, I think we've got six minutes left, which will mean you've got five minutes. A space between your next meeting so six questions six minutes um okay. what's, the, what's the best advice you can ever remember receiving oh yeah okay all right that's a very very good question and it was when i was with richard thornton i talked about before i was in a taxi or a car of some sort and the fund that i ran in san francisco was the work that not the world's, but the UK's number one, what they call, I don't know, they still have unit trust, but it was the number one unit trust. And it had become very big, and I was 25 years old. And he said, enjoy the moment, because there'll be damn days and damn moments as well. And he was so right. And it's a bit like the emperors riding into Rome on their chariots. They had a guy next to them who said in Latin, um, don't ask me what it, what it is in Latin, but he said, remember, you are mortal to the emperor because the moment of great triumph quite often presages a moment of great difficulty. And that was good advice. Yeah. Amen. And then what's the worst advice you can ever remember receiving? Uh, work for Clark's shoes. <laughs> I, don't, I, really, I can't, I don't really, um, I kind of block out crap advice basically. And uh, quite often crap advice is given in a, Sometimes well-meaning way, but sometimes it's given in a uh, jealous or uh, snide way. So yeah. you just need to like put the naysayers out of your life, basically. Yeah, great. What makes you tick, Jim? Uh, I think we... That's you and me. I'm not talking about we in the royal sense for me. But I think that we are motivated by challenge. So when I was younger, I ran 43 marathons um, wow. and full marathons, completed them all. And it was a personal challenge. I mean, obviously, I wasn't competing at the level of, you know, getting any prizes or anything like that. But it was a personal challenge to keep on doing what I was capable of doing and getting better at it. And I think it's the same with entrepreneurship. You just hone your skills. You know, when you have done enough of it, you begin to recognize what's going to work and what's not going to work, generally speaking, much better than when you were younger. And um, so I wake up in the morning and I feel 
great. And that's what makes me tick. Lovely. Do you have a biggest regret? No, not really. No. I think regrets, I mean, honestly, I'm a forward-thinking person. I, I don't like to look at the past. If you ask me what I was doing in 1996 or 19, 2003, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. I probably know where I lived, but I don't know what I was doing. Okay. Is yeah. there one thing that's wrong with the world that you would like to see changed? Yes. People are eating the wrong stuff. They're killing animals. The average American, by the time that he or she dies at roughly the, the age of 80, will have eaten how many... I'm going to ask you this question as a guess, Rob. How many live animals that were alive before they were eaten do you think the average American will have eaten? Um, 65,000. A very good guess. The answer is 80,000. Wow. So that's 80,000 in my opinion, sentient beings that mm. can be spared suffering, pain, cruelty, short lives, if we move to the new form of agriculture that I'm really, really excited about uh, and that everyone will be excited about in due course. Mm. Is there one person alive that if I had them on this Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, you would get on your private jet and fly straight here and come and watch them live? Uh, the thing about the pandemic is that, you know, we used to go to conferences and things like that to see people like Bill Gates or Elon Musk. Now there's a conference every week and they're all, you know, all these guys are on it. I mean, you can see them. You can uh, almost like as close as you and I are in, in this Zoom call. So the pandemic has actually, I think, given much greater access to people to see all these great potential heroes of theirs. Um, I would... Uh, if I could uh, probably want to meet with a great scientist who um, is disrupting something very important, either in the environment uh, or in longevity. I can meet most of the people in longevity anyway because of the business or in the food uh, area. But there's no one that sticks out. I mean, you know, the trite answer would be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or... The, the fact of the matter is that I don't think I would have anything that would be of use to them, and therefore I'd never get anything of use out of them um, because I don't think I'm nearly at their level of intellectual power. So I think it's got to be someone that I really like to engage and debate with, and I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe Angela Merkel, who has been a remarkable chancellor of of, uh, of uh, Germany, and I'd like to talk to her if I could. Great. And then this podcast and uh, the channels that we go on, it's audio, video, um, it's called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Well, I'm sure you've read the books by Schumpeter, which is, um, you know, the, the creative destruction of, um, of capitalism. And that's what disruptive is, is that if we are going to get richer, happier, have more time for leisure, more time for knowledge and we live a longer trajectory of life where you're not just born you learn you earn you retire and you expire which is the current way that most people think about their lives then you need to start thinking about what are the great i mean the huge trends that are going to happen over the next 20 30 or 40 years will eclipse anything that we've seen in the last century and those disruptive factors will have an impact on absolutely everyone. So if you think you're in a safe job designing apps or you're in a safe job coding or you're in a safe job even making robots, you're not. Everything, everything is subject to much faster cycles of disruption than it was in the past. And for some people, that's really intimidating. For others, like you and me, it's an opportunity. Great. And Jim, do you do, you do any social media? Can we follow you anywhere? I'm not on any social media, okay. but the books and the, well, yeah. uh, and the companies and so forth are on social media, but I'm personally not on it. I think it's, a, I think it's great for what you do, uh, but um, I just don't want to be on it. Ah, interesting. Why? Uh, I actually don't approve of Facebook. 
I don't Why? think they've done a because I think they've done some. I mean, you know, I, I follow the emerging markets. They've created a lot of bad things in places like Belarus or in Russia or in um, Philippines, as an example. Um, and I think they're highly addictive and probably not good for young people. The stuff that you do, however, is highly educational, highly motivating. So there's good and bad things on the internet. Mm. I can get the good things by without having to be a part of it, you know. Sure. And um, but our, my book launches on Thursday, and you know we'll have at least a thousand people watching that. So you know I can make my contribution that way. And um, could we? How could we find that? How could everyone watching um, watch your book launch? Uh, I will send you the link. And um, okay. uh, I, I haven't got it right here on, on you know, but I'll send you the link. And um, I, I'll also, Rob, I'll send you a copy of my my book. I, once I get the address and all that sort of stuff, I'll, I'll arrange that to be delivered to Thank your you. lovely comfy sofa there. <laughs> in a soulless hotel room in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, uh, my favorite blue Chesterfield. Um, so, lovely. Jim, can we find all of your books on Amazon and Audible? Yes. Uh, not what, Audible, what, uh, because they're, they're, they're kind of investor books. You can't read out lists of right. you know, stocks and all that sort of stuff. But um, they're all on um, Amazon and they're all on uh, Kindle. Mm -hmm. um, so, they're, yeah, they're available. And um, uh, as I say, please buy the latest one. because I, I, Honestly, I don't want to sound like a huckster salesman, but, but the money goes to a really good cause. Yeah. And that's called Moose Law. Moose Law. And once again, got a picture of the disrupted cow. <laughs> uh, we'll soon have leather, cotton, threads, seafood, meat, you name it, will be made in labs without environmental destruction. Wow. And if someone should start with one of your books as well, your previously written ones on Amazon, which one would you recommend they read first? Uh, the most recent one, because yeah, the rest date but the Juvenescence book, which is about the science of longevity and how we're going to live longer, live healthier, live better. What a great way to end the podcast with that little three. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I loved your questions, Rob. I think you're great. I love, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. You too, Jim. Thanks a lot. You have a great day.